Hi, welcome to Off Script. I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Today on the show, we are coming back from a long and unexpected hiatus, which is pretty much entirely my fault. And Andy played ball. So thanks, Andy. I appreciate it. Uh, Do what I can. Yeah, uh, we took like a, a week and a half off and now we're back on a Thursday instead of a Tuesday. Normal episodes are on Tuesday. It's been a weird week, but I promise, guys, we're excited to get back on track. First things first, we're going to talk about some news. Then we're going to talk about Malignant. We saw the new James Wan horror film. That thing has been making waves in a weird way. I don't know if you guys have kept up with the press on it at all, but we're excited to talk about it. We're going to take a look at the trailer for the new Matrix film, along with some October releases. Talk about what we're going to be talking about on the show in the next month. And then we're going to take a look at The Card Counter, uh, the new Paul Schrader. Schrader film, not Schrader, uh, presented by Martin Scorsese, starring Oscar Isaac as a uh, a lone, mysterious card-counting gambler traveling the country. Um, first things first, the news, I guess. Uh, our first story, Shang-Chi remains number one going into, uh, well, it's probably an outdated article now, but it's third weekend when, when we were going to do the show last week before uh, I had some issues. I did I did update this. It, this does reflect the, the most recent weekend. Well, thank you. That's that's awesome. Uh, my my banner ad does not, if you're watching on Facebook Live, but I'll fix that right now. Andy, what is this? Shang-Chi's killing it at the box office. Who saw this coming? I mean, it's Marvel, so it, in one way, it, it's not. Uh, surprising but it is doing actually better than black widow now as far as it it's had a much uh far less drop off in its third week um and it's going to surpass black black widow's kind of a domestic uh take very soon so it it's it's hot off the presses um and it just it doesn't have uh basically any competition so it, it's easy for it to dominate the box office if you listen a few weeks ago, uh, we already reviewed Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi, and we actually liked it a lot. Uh, very, very thumbs up from both of us. Uh, Andy, you know anybody else who's been going to see it? I feel like most of the people I know are finally kind of getting out and yeah, most, again. Yeah, I, I feel like everyone I, I know, even people that don't go to the movies a lot have gone out to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't really have a great follow-up for that. Uh <laughs> That's hoping, hoping that would stir some conversation. I'm going to be honest. Um, yeah. I suppose I'm not surprised this is still at the top, right? Yeah, like it's yeah. Disney, it's Marvel. What's not to love? Yeah, exactly. And like I said, th there's not really any competition from new films. The big, the quote unquote big release is Cry Macho, which is the Clint Eastwood Western, uh, which has, uh, which is is also on HBO max. And so if anyone even, I mean, I don't even know people who know that this, this film exists. Um, and if they want to watch it, they can watch it at home, which is where I would have seen it as well. So I, I think the big thing is just zero competition. And also, it, I mean, it's a good film uh, and lots of positive word of mouth, uh, lots of, you know, new superhero, new stuff added to the larger Marvel universe. A lot of fun. Yeah. One thing's for sure. I mean, Disney seems to have the secret sauce to making like a movie pop at the box office. Yes, they're Disney. Yes, they're Marvel. And yes, those are big brands. But movies are getting creamed right now at the box office. Cry Macho is not doing great. Malignant did not do that awesome. Reminiscence did not do that great either from Warner Brothers. Um, those are just three recent ones. Like, it seems like you're either putting out a huge blockbuster feature or you're destined to fail right now because theaters are just kind of in a rocky spot after the pandemic or still going through the pandemic in some places. Yeah, it, it's it seems like no one's coming out. And in fact, because of how aug bad August was, that's how um, Top Gun and Mission Impossible 7 got moved because of their performance. And this has actually had the opposite. And then in we, we talked about last week that Venom is actually moving up to October 1st because of how good uh, things are 
kind of gone, which leads me into kind of a tangential story here that uh, Disney announced that the rest of its 2021 movies will be theatrical only. So it seems like they had a basically were able to experiment between um, Black Widow and Shang-Chi as far as, you know, what's what's a better release theater exclusive or kind of high hybrid model also on Disney plus. And it, it seems like theater is better and that's what they're going to go with for the rest of the year. Yeah. It also makes you wonder if that leads into um, that, that case they've got with Scarlett Johansson going right now, following black widow, uh, Scarlett Johansson filed suit against Disney because she was supposed to get a lion's share of the profits according to her contract from box office take, but Disney did not let her know. Black Widow was also going to streaming services and she kind of got shafted. So I know their CEO, Bob Chapik, recently said that they are uh, analyzing some of their deals with current stars uh, and they're I don't, I don't want to say revisiting. He used some corporate lingo speak, but basically they're kind of tiptoeing around it. So their announcement that everything's going to be theatrical is probably for the best. But in stark contrast to Warner Brothers, who's putting all their stuff on HBO simultaneously, at least this year. Going into next year, Warner Brothers will not be doing that anymore. Is that right? That's true. Uh, they renegotiated a lot of their deals, and they'll be doing, I think, what what is the, now the new standard, the 45-day release uh, window or or less, depending on performance. Yeah. So it might seem like Shang-Chi, Shang-Chi God, I got to stop doing that. Shang-Chi is killing it at the box office than it is, and that might feel normal. But ultimately, behind the scenes, there's a bit more going on. Let's keep an eye on their box office. See what's uh, see what's hot. Keep an eye on off script to find out what's worth watching next week. Uh, our next story, Christopher Nolan's next movie lands at Universal. My God, Christopher Nolan, the blockbuster director coming hot off the heels of Tenet uh, is looking worse for wear in this clip. It's probably going to get me uh, copyright violated. Uh, Andy, what's the story about? Uh, well, af after kind of a rocky relationship this last year with Warner Brothers, um, I was going to say over the release of Tenet. No, Tenet came out in theaters, but because of their release strategy of doing this hybrid release, which Christopher Nolan absolutely hates, um, part of that, uh, he's decided to shop his, his next picture about around, which is uh, about um, Oppenheimer, the uh, one of the people instrumental in developing the atomic bomb um some sort of world world war ii epic he's been shopping that around hollywood most people said no but he was able to get a, a yes from universal with some pretty strict um you know uh things in the deal which uh, zach enlighten us uh okay so a little bit of background here um if you're not familiar with christopher nolan right this off is the now top, a chris nolan hate cast it's true yeah <laughs> if you're not familiar with christopher nolan right off the top he's the billionaire blockbuster director of the three best batman films you've seen right batman begins the dark knight the dark knight rises he directed interstellar the prestige inception Me memento tons of really great films that have made literally billions of dollars for warner brothers uh he's a blockbuster director uh uh ad infinitum uh but christopher nolan uh, had some problems with warner brothers after tenet came out because it didn't do as well as he expected and warner brothers was disappointed so there was already some tension there he was trying to release it in the middle of the pandemic which ultimately they did uh now nolan is saying hey i don't want anything to do with you warner brothers crooks anymore especially after that big multi uh, hbo films going to hbo in 2021 announcement that they did so he started shopping around to Sony and MGM and, and even Warner Brothers again and Universal and ultimately Universal is buying his next picture. The reason Andy is saying this is a hate cast is because I did some digging into Nolan and this Universal <laughs> deal. And I'm going to be honest, the more I read about Christopher Nolan, 
the less I like the guy because he really seems like one of those artists who knows he's the hot stuff and he is is asking for like absurd finance deals and like ridiculous terms to get these films made. And ultimately, it's the humble opinion of this small uh, podcaster that this uh, World War II film about J. Robert Oppenheimer is not going to pop bigger than like Interstellar. I think I think this movie is going to be a little smaller, a little bit more intimate, despite its huge budget. And I think Universal might be in for a ride, but I don't know. I don't know. What do you think, Andy? Um, I think there's a lot of potential. I mean, Nolan is, or he can be a great storyteller. And I think maybe going smaller might actually help him some. Uh, he did ask for a $100 million budget up front, which is uh, seems huge for most people, but it's actually smaller for him. Uh, with Within a company, $100 million marketing budget. So $200 million film total uh but it you know it's more private it's focusing on one person and uh you know this complex very complex thing about the manhattan project and developing the atom bomb um and we know that nolan likes to go big so it'll be interesting to see how he gets kind of this character study to you know be, be a blockbuster essentially yeah i i i guess we'll see um you know this this robert oppenheimer film he's making like i said it's got a host of, of kind of rules and regulations around it he's got first first day box office gross take he's got this weird like i think it's like a 15 day window on the sides of it universal can't release any films next to it or immediately behind it because it has to stand on its own in their slate like just just ridiculous stuff but but to dilute it down we're gonna have to see what happens with this movie it seems like it's not coming out till 2023 or 2024 it has a huge budget an insane cgi budget of course it's assumed it, we're probably blowing up an atom bomb at the end of this movie right it's about <laughs> yeah. the guy who made the atom bomb that would make sense so it could be rad it could be exciting i i just man he's he's really starting to lo lose that like clever auteur status for me and he's slipping into like just kind of douchebag artist right like just just won't play by anybody else's rules and refuses to listen to reason and that that's not fun nobody nobody wants to see their their, their favorite director go that way so we'll see we'll see what happens with chris nolan andy you're hopeful right yeah yeah i mean he's one of the best working directors today um has changed cinema multiple times uh yeah. so uh, you can't write off the guy, but he is definitely becoming more and more difficult to work with. He is. Yeah. And he's, he's becoming more and more difficult to cover on this podcast. Uh, <laughs> our last story, HBO Max slashes prices in half after HBO leaves Amazon channels. What the hell is going on at Warner Brothers? Andy? Why is why is HBO suddenly suddenly turn out subscriptions literally at half price? Is that what's going on? Yeah. So this is a little bit of a complicated story. So HBO Max is leaving. Uh, Amazon, kind of Amazon Prime itself. It will still be available on Amazon Fire TV, which is like a different ent entity. But it's leaving Amazon Prime primarily because uh, apparently they don't actually get access to a lot of the the user data that is generated, and uh, the HBO and Warner doesn't like that, so they're just kind of breaking off so they can have access to that. Um, this was actually decided several years ago that they they would do this, almost probably before uh, this even even launched um, HBO Max. Uh, so they want to get away from Amazon so they can look at all the subscriber debt and, and use it to themselves. And so what they're doing to compensate, because they're going to be taking HBO off of those channels, they're offering um, half-price subscriptions for the first six months. Um, yeah. that, that is to be, be noted. So it'll be uh, 7 or $8 for new subscribers. 
and uh and, and again it, it's complicated because it involves data it involves le you know accessibility um but ultimately hbo wants to get away from Amazon and uh, they're slashing prices to incentivize subscribers. I think something that really stands out to me in this story is this decision for HBO to break from Amazon and stop being over there and like, you know, separate themselves from that platform. Um, this is made two years ago. They decided they were going to do this. And like, to me, deciding you're going to make like a, a very large move in and out of streaming services with your streaming service two years in advance is a weird thing to do. Um, in a time when streaming services are, I don't want to say volatile, but like, you know, they, they move a lot right now. There's a lot of them. The landscape is ever changing, especially considering the pandemic. Like it is really hard to predict where the industry is going to be two years from today. So the fact that two years ago they decided, hey, we're going to do this thing is a little weird now. But ultimately, I think it's a good thing. I hate getting on Prime and scrolling and seeing a bunch of HBO content that I can't access because I because it's hidden behind a paywall. And then I hate like, you say advertise that. So good, right? Like I, this should see more of Amazon's content up front, which seems positive for them. And this should see HBO kind of diluting or uh, distilling, I should say, their library into one central location. Seems smart. Um I, I, I imagine somebody, some some bean counter in Hollywood is bummed about this, right? Some this account somewhere. The spreadsheets. The spreadsheets. Yeah. yeah, the numbers don't add up, I'm sure. But on the consumer side, like I, I, I don't see a problem with this. Um, yeah, yeah, if you're, if you're obviously, if you're an existing subscriber, this isn't, isn't going to apply to you. But um, for new subscribers, uh, it'll be uh, an incentive. And like I said, this is being done to because they're anticip anticipating subscriber loss from leaving it's Amazon. Right. Uh, not to bury the lead, I should I should specify, Andy, you probably already said this. Uh, regarding the half price HBO, because some of you might have got excited about, oh, my God, HBO Max for half price. Uh, so it's only for anybody who had access HBO via the Amazon channels platform. You had to have been uh, there it before. We go. Then you get that sick discount and you get it for up to six months, which is great. Um, but I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't think I know anybody that was doing that. And if you're listening to the show and you know me and, and you were doing that, write into the show and let me know at mail at offscriptfilmreview.com because I wouldn't mind picking your brain a little bit because I, I I had never used HBO through Amazon's platform. I know it was functional. Obviously, it was some kind of news that, that, that this was happening, so somebody was using it. Uh, I don't know. Write in and let us know. And with that, we should move on to our first review of the episode. I'm going to be honest. I'm taking the summary on this one, and I'm not I'm not stoked, man. I think the summary on this one is kind of, <laughs> kind of challenging, but I'm going to do my best. It is. It, it's a lot. Yes. Uh, the movie is James Wan's Malignant. So Malignant is a horror film that's a tribute uh, to classic campy B horror films. I think it's the best place to start. Uh, Malignant may look on its face like a few of James Wan's other horror films like Insidious or The Conjuring or maybe even Saw, right? The thing that really kicked off his career. Uh, and in a lot of ways, it's like those films, but in a few ways, it's drastically different. And unfortunately, the ways in which it's different, we can't really talk about because we don't really do spoilers on this show. So I'll do my best to kind of toe around the, the loose summary, and I think Andy and I will do our best to kind of talk around it, but I, sh I should say before we get into it, Malignant is a little, it's not quite what it seems. <laughs> there's, just something, there's something happening in this movie. 
that 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 is is hidden under the surface and you kind of have to go see it and get into it to find out what that is and we're going to talk about it here so malignant is the story of i don't remember her name i what is what is our lead's name uh madison madison to be fair it was like we saw this a couple weeks ago and we had this weird hiatus so i apologize that yes it's the story of madison uh this young woman who just has nothing going her way she she is sad and she has uh i think a boyfriend maybe a husband uh who is not kind to her and she does not have a lot of friends and she's like clearly going through some kind of depression but she starts having these manic dream state episodes where she sees this trench coat like hooded can't really get a good look at him uh killer murdering people in the in horrible fashion but these visions they're not they're not just simply visions she 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 in some weird way like transports in like a dimension thing to be a part of this universe and she's like tangibly at these scenes when these people are getting murdered and vice versa this killer can seemingly step into her world as well uh the trailer shows some of this they do some graphic cgi stuff like the world kind of melts away and and ultimately she has to uncover like the mystery behind these dreams uh find out whether or not these killings are actually happening and if they are ideally put a stop to them i feel like saying this as the summary is is like i said just kind of scratching the surface um, yeah <laughs> so andy definitely uh, the guess, setup yeah, with that with that setup in mind, what did you think of Malignant? So it's interesting because so I watched this at home, and um, when it gets started, it, it's it it has a really kind of bizarre opening scene. Um, very bizarre, and very it had some really kind of strange dialogue, and it, it was initially really really cliche, really paint by number, really, and in somewhat weird ways o over the, the top, like the boyfriend is super abusive out of nowhere. Yes. Um, you feel like you're watching a lifetime movie, uh, to quote a uh, red letter media, uh, <laughs> at the beginning, yeah. it, it's, it's bizarre in that way. And then, uh, these murders start happening. Uh, Madison is the kind of prime suspect, you know, that it turn kind of turns into a little bit of a cop procedure where cops come out and be like, well, you were here when these murders happened. What did you see? Like you're suspect number one. Um, and it hits all these really, really, uh, just common beats that we've seen. And I was, I got really bored out. I, I was a little sleepy when I was watching this and about an hour in, I was like, I have to go lay down. So I went and like took a nap and then, and, and I was, I was, you're right. And I was, and I, and I was bored as well. Um, you know, and like I said, it, it's hitting all the, these really like I'm rolling my eyes through through all of this. And I'm just like, oh, gosh, where is this going to go? And then kind of the last 30 minutes go absolutely off the rails. Like it turns into something completely yeah. unforeseen and that the beginning did not prepare you for. And the, the like I said, the trailers kind of do do a bait and switch, but in, in a good way. Um, and in my opinion, it kind of redeems the whole, the whole movie because now I now I really know what it is. It's not serious horror. It's much more of like a campy B movie with this kind of really crazy premise. And then like the action in, in the third in the last third is just like it's insane. And it, it it really makes up for the rest of it being so ridiculous. And I, when I was first watching it, I was like, "This is bad. This is like the room bad. Like this is drinking game. Get your yeah. friends together. Like this this poor is James worst film bad. Yeah. Like this is bad. Yes, poor shots, and you know, decide when when you're gonna uh, you know take them. And uh, 
but then, like I said, it kind of goes crazy in the last third, and I'm not going to say any more more than that for spoiler reasons. But uh, it definitely kind of for me, it made up for the rest of it being pretty lackluster. Yeah, um, I'm in a unique position. Uh, I don't feel the same way. Um, I did not like this movie. I I was bored through the first two 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 acts and act three, where where things turn on their head. Um did not redeem it for me i was just like no like just <laughs> okay you 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 made a half hour of a good movie and stuck a good up behind day, hour 20 <laughs> of a terrible film like that does not work out for me that that doesn't that doesn't pass the smell test i've since revisited it um andy referenced the red letter media review uh it's, people have been writing articles about this and they're all over the board uh roger ebert's site they gave they gave this one star they were like this film is trash and it's one of Juan's worst Meanwhile, uh, you have other reviewers who are giving it four and they're saying this is like a brilliant like tribute to B-movie horror and Juan is doing something really inventive here on a big blockbuster budget. I don't know. I, I, I wish I, I think I see that side of the argument, but I don't I don't see it in the film I, and I'd probably need to watch it again to really get back to it. I think Andy makes a good point. I watched this at home as well. Probably a mistake. This probably should have been a theatrical film. Uh, I think I may have been able to get into it more um, or I may have walked out because I would have been like, this is terrible. Um, so let's talk about it, Andy. Um, why is the first two thirds of this film feel really bad? Well, I mean, a number of reasons. First off, it like I said, it, it's kind of paint by number. You have like, uh, uh, let me think, you have home trauma, you have haunted house, you have detective procedural, you you got, uh, you know, faceless abuse, yeah, generic killer, yes. faceless killer, mental hospital escape, like over, like our, in our main character, yeah, the beginning is just really bizarre. So it hits all these really cliche points. This relationship with her husband is super, it's over the top abusive. It's like way too, way too, it, it, it keeps reminding me of this bit. Um, that snl does with like the uh like the, the movie about racism and there's one scene where like the guy is just so overtly racist it's just like no one well i'm not like that guy it's kind of like right yeah it, so the this relationship their boyfriend is just like unbelievably uh abusive um but then you also have like this mass killer but then she's kind of seen visions of it reminds me actually a little bit of the original candy man where uh She's like the person is there, sees it is kind of part of it, and then is also suspected to be the uh, you know, a suspect number one because of it. Yeah. Um, and then there's just also really weird campy decisions like uh so Madison has a sis sister that shows up, uh named Sydney, um, who's you know, she's there, they're kind of like you know, Nancy Drew uh, trying to so figure this thing out. But then there's also this weird, weird uh semi-romance between the the lead detective who's like way too attractive to be a detective but there's like is there's a weird like attraction between her sister and him and then also like his csi uh like person that like she's like trying to and there's these really awkward like romantic gestures out of nowhere yeah. and then they don't go anywhere they don't actually like develop <laughs> into no. anything so there's just like like i said it's it's bland it's cliche it's bo it's it's boring and but then it really turns around uh right for me, for me. that's that's what's uh the difference go on 
So let me let me expound on. I think I can explain this in a way that isn't like revealing to what's happening in the film. Really, um, the reason I think I've said and Andy said, and many people have said that this is like a tribute to campy B movie horror films is because when you think of like B movie horror from like the eighties and the seventies and maybe even the nineties. Um, yeah, we're talking a little bit about things like Texas Chainsaw Massacre, but we're also talking about like Sleepaway Camp and Fright Night and and you know uh, uh what ch chopping chopping mall is that that movie like fil fil horror films that like objectively are bad they're bad movies like you would get together and drink beer and watch them with your friends you wouldn't actually be spooked by them you'd just be like wow these are kind yeah, of yeah like kind of kind films, of lo low budget yeah like watching teens get chopped up right like nothing exciting like low budget goofy blood effects like nothing that's really blockbuster level well james wan i think most people are, are speculating that that's what he was running towards in this film he's actually trying to produce something like that here plot lines that don't really go anywhere characters that have super cliche dialogue like things things happening in the film that don't fit any semblance of logic outside of just the supernatural horror stuff like actual logical fallacies like that our characters are making like just ba basically a bad movie like it feels a whole lot like he was setting out to make a bad movie and people are saying like oh he was doing that as a tribute to previous bad horror films that's what's going on here and the third act does kind of come around in service of that like the events of the third act of this film, I th I think are are some kind of bow on top of a present that is this tribute to B movie horror, like in camp, right, and maybe even schlock in certain cases, especially in our opening scene. That's really really something else, but I don't think it works. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just a bad horror film. I think it's obvious in the marketing. I mean, the poster has this like. If you're watching on Facebook Live, you can see the poster. We've got it up right now. It's got this kind of red theme and no real imagery behind it because even Warner Brothers didn't know how to market this thing. The tagline is a new vision of terror. It's just like, no, it's not. It's not a new vision of anything. It's you guys same, just didn't even know. The yeah, they didn't know what the terror. hell they had. Like, they, they had this thing and they were like, how do we make this see, into the, a marketable film? And like, they, I think that's the stumble. People don't know what they're walking into here. Yeah. And that, well, in some ways, like, they could have been more upfront about it, but then I think it would have. It kind of, it's a nice surprise when it yes. kind of goes goes crazy at, at the end because you're not expecting that. Again, you, it looks like something more along the lines of of the Conjuring and Insidious, and it and the the premise looks like she's, it's almost like a sleep paralysis demon thing where she's like she's frozen and then but she can see visions of these murders happening and so it kind of looks like it's going to be a, a murder mystery and she's going to have to help the police track this guy down um and doesn't go that, that way at all here here's the thing for me is that i would definitely rewatch this and like i want to rewatch this in like a group like with like unsuspecting victims to, 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 to watch this with you know make like i could i could see myself like i'm gonna watch this once a year at Halloween with a group group of friends and and laugh about laugh about how bad the beginning is and then like get your draw drops in at the later half. Yeah, I, I think I'm pretty in that camp as well. I'd be curious to see how people take this who had never seen it or or really know where it's going. I think in this review we've been pretty concise. I don't think we've really given a lot away. If anything, I think people who may not have had this film on the radar might be listening to us and be like, hold on what the hell are they talking about i gotta go see this film and um i hope that's not misleading like i said i i was not that impressed by where this movie goes other people meanwhile have been like my god four stars this film's this film's incredible um 
I don't know. A- Andy, where do you land? I mean, are, are you are you firmly in that this is amazing? Are you this is I, mean, I mean, I don't I don't think it, it's amazing. I, I think knowing what it is, knowing the kind of film it is now makes it more acceptable. Like I think it it would have been more palatable had you gone in knowing it was this sort of like B movie schlock because that's what that's what essentially the first two thirds are, but you don't realize that's what's happening. It just it just seems bad. Uh, right. for the sake of, of being bad but it's when you know the kind of movie it is then it it totally makes uh sense and i i do think that the i mean i've seen a lot of horror movies a lot of gore and violence on on tv and the internet and in film sure. and i was still pretty shocked by kind of the action scenes at, at the end yeah um i i i trying to think of the most the best way to wrap this up Re- regarding performances. And that's something we normally do in these, in these reviews. We say, Oh yeah, this actor is great. Or this actress is great. They're all no names. You don't know anybody in this movie. I, th- I thought um, the lead uh, that Annabelle Wallace was, was really good. Cause she does kind of have to carry oh, the major- majority I'm, of the movie I'm firmly in the other camp. I thought she was <laughs> terrible in this film. And I don't know. And I don't, again, I don't know if that's by direction. Like, that's the thing. Like, I, I can't tell if James Wan is like I mean, twirling his dick dastardly mustache and <laughs> counting his, his, his Scrooge bucks, like McDuck dollars, or, or if he's like, this is the worst film I've made. And this is a terrible mistake. I really don't know. I, 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 I don't know what's, I don't know if she, this is a brilliant performance or a terrible one. And Ultimately, I think ambiguity does not save you in cinematic history. If people can't determine whether or not a film is, is good or bad pretty quickly, it gets it gets swept under the rug for films to come. October looks like a huge slate. I, I don't know where this movie's gonna be come next year, you know? Are we getting a malignant too? I I, I have no idea. I mean, uh, I will say about that, it it did not uh, surprisingly didn't really hit at the box office. Usually horror is kind of uh, you know, you can count on it. Um, but it, it just made just over 5 million. So it didn't really find an audience there. It was available on HBO max as, as well. So that, that might've contributed to it. Um, both but, of us watched it, yes. uh, but, but sometimes, uh, yeah, sometimes it, it, Horror is, is usually a, a pretty good bet, especially during the pandemic. It seems to be of that's the one thing people will come out for. So, so it seemed, and who knows why, maybe it was word of mouth. Maybe it was, uh, you know, just kind of mixed marketing, who knows, but it didn't really yeah. find an audience. I don't know. I, I think to kind of bring it full circle, I, I, I don't believe this film is some kind of wonderful and a lot of people do, and it doesn't seem like it on its face. So I guess uh, you got to go see yourself and find out. Andy, you ready for recommendations? I am. Andy, would you recommend Malignant? I would recommend it with some caveats. If you're a big horror fan and you like all things horror, you know, serious B movies, slashers, everywhere in between, I'd say definitely come out and see this. It's definitely something to kind of add to the the repertoire of of um, horror movies that have come out this year. Uh, if that's not your your thing, uh, you you might want to skip it. And I don't again if if you can see it at home. Uh, just do do that. And like I said, I think this is I think it's something that's going to kind of live on the way the room has lived on. It's it's going to make a great Halloween drinking game every year, every other year uh, for that. So I, I would recommend it to probably hardcore horror fans. Uh, I would not recommend it. I think there are a ton of other more exciting horror films uh, you should be looking at. Um, 
Not this one. I, I don't know. I, I I look at this as a bit of a miss in Juan's category. If I was going to pick up a James Wan film off the shelf and watch it, I'd pick up Insidious, The Conjuring, or Saw any day before I'd grab this one. That's just me. I, I know it's doing something unique. I, I should sit on it. Andy made a great point. This would be a good watch in October, and I love watching horror films come October. Uh, maybe not this year. Maybe maybe next year I'll, I'll come back to it fresh, real fresh, now that I know what I'm getting into, and it might be a totally different scene, but like, I just didn't, I, I, it did not do it for me. I, I, I wish it had, I do, but that's, that's me. So, yeah. And with that, we should move on to our middle section here. Normally we'll look at a couple of trailers or we'll talk about what's currently killing cinema and our very exciting award-winning uh, death of cinema segment, but uh, award-winning instead, we're going to talk about things that are coming. I know that we have won zero awards while I say that none, absolutely none, but there are some exciting things coming out in October that we want to talk about, starting with Andy. What movie are we starting with? Uh, well, before that, we're going to get into a little bit of the trailer park with the uh, Matrix Resurrections trailer, which came out a couple weeks ago. Yeah. So, so I'm as we've talked about before. I'm a huge Matrix fan. I saw the originals in in theater, uh, played the games, watched Animatrix. Like, re- really huge fan of the series. We finally saw a trailer for this movie that's coming out in just three months um, comes out uh, Christmas week. Uh, and it was something else. So it was a long trailer. We, we get kind of in the first, about the first half we see Keanu Reeves, old Neo kind of what is assumed to be back in the matrix. And uh, we get a little bit of, it's reminiscent of the first film where he is uh, kind of stuck. We we see him talking with Neil Patrick Harris, uh, who's wearing very obvious blue rimmed glasses. Uh, he's eating these or taking these blue pills, which which we kind of assume that he's being suppressed in there. And uh, he's broken out or appears to be broken out by uh, Morpheus, um, played this time differently by Yaya Mateen the uh, second, who was of course in in Candyman. So we see him kind of being broken out of prison again, again, very reminiscent of the first film. And then the second half of the trailer really gets into a lot of action where we see kind of uh, these chases, these fights, and we see a lot of matrix uh, uh, iconography. So we see some bullet dodging. We see uh, Kung Fu, Gun Fu, all the kind of crazy flips with a lot of new characters though, as well. Like I said, a new person playing Morpheus, but also uh uh, character played by uh, Jessica Henwick uh, with blue hair. And there's a lot of this, you know, f- you got to follow me, learn the truth through the looking glass, follow the, the white rabbit. Uh, we also see Trinity uh, played by Carrie Ann Moss also in this film, possibly as some sort of uh, just in code or, or memory or something that it's really unclear what the plot of this is, but it does look very, very reminiscent of the first film. I thought it was really awesome trailer. I've watched like the last minute of when all the action happens because it's just really over the top. So it got me pretty excited, pretty pumped about it. Zach, what do you think? I, I think the Matrix Four has a super good trailer. I, I've watched it like ten times, and <laughs> I try, I try not to get super excited about stuff like this. And I know the Matrix Four has everything going against it. I mean, it's the fourth film. It's been a long time since we've uh, seen the last one. The previous two films didn't exactly have the highest, you know, highest box office reviews and uh, we're missing a director, right? This is not the Wachowski siblings anymore. It's simply Lana Wachowski. Uh, so it's, you know, questionable, but 
it seems to boast a really strong color palette. It looks different. It looks new. It looks like it's got a fresh coat of paint, and that's exactly what it needs to have. Um, I think if this movie's got a solid script and it's going somewhere interesting, and what I assume will be the next couple of films, I, I'm boldly assuming this is a new trilogy. I don't, I'm not, I don't know if they've announced that or not, but um, I think it could be good stuff. Or maybe this. Is, I, I, there's no way this is just the one. You don't make. You, they're not just making one of no, these, I mean, right? We, you, we, don't, we, you don't put a CGI budget into a movie like this and make one. There's no way. Yeah, I mean, we live in the world of franchises, and if you got a familiar property that's going to hit, like you're going to want to make, you know, film, TV series, serial box uh, of it, of it all, just like they did, with, you know, Matrix O's or or whatever. Uh, so <laughs> that's why I, I'm saying, and th this is reminds me a little bit of Candyman because Candyman definitely felt like an origin film felt like the first of more films to come. And that's what this feels as well. And it, it reminds me a lot of the force awakens or what the force awakens eventually turned out to be, which was a rehashing of the first movie. So I, I'm not getting my hopes too. like, I, d I do want to see new things, but at the same time, if, if they're looking to reestablish and build a new franchise, a new, new brand, it makes sense to kind of revisit, uh the first film or what kind of the elements of the first film i i it would be nice if like you know we got to break neo out again but then we can kind of move into new territory i will be interested to see what the actual conflict is between like man and machine here because the third matrix ends with a piece between uh the two factions so it'll be interesting to see what has kind of broken that and you know why we're back to you know fighting agents and, and the machines again yeah, and I think that's the brilliance of the trailer. Like, it, it already is throwing up questions. Wait a second, how is Neo back? How is Trinity back? Why is Morpheus replaced? Is that Morpheus or is that somebody else? Why are the machines doing stuff again? Like, and that's a great spot for the trailer to be in. It's not too exculpatory. doesn't give a whole lot away. It just says, hey, something's going on. Come see this to find out more. Um, strong trailer. I, I I hope they don't release a whole lot more, honestly. I, and and I, I kind of just know they will. <laughs> yeah, they will for sure. Well, and uh, I won't and, be able to stop myself from watching it. Yeah, and I'm just excited for the 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 license to hopefully open up a little bit from Warner Brothers. I think I think the Matrix is such a such a compelling cinematic universe. There's a lot of you could do in there. There's a ton of stories you could tell. Um, hopefully that loosens up a little bit and we can start to get some new creators in there. Yeah, I, I think what this could start, I mean, it could start the cinematic universe where we start getting TV shows or maybe an, more animated stuff or just different spinoffs because that's ultimately what these really big properties like Star Wars and Marvel do that they have, they're such rich universes that you can generate so much content uh, in multiple forms. And now it's becoming like kind of the the thing to do is, is to have some TV series to supplement your film. So I could definitely see a few movies coming out and then like the HBO series uh, as well. So there, there's, I think there's a lot of potential here and I, I'm definitely excited about it. Yeah. There's no reason Warner brothers couldn't have like an eight or 12 episode limited HBO series that's set in the matrix. Like absolutely no reason that couldn't happen. Um, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, in the meantime, keep hearing off script for more about matrix four. Andy, Next month is stacked. <laughs> Absolutely I, stacked. I didn't know how stacked it was until I opened the outline you put together this week. Thank you again. And it was like, oh my God, October is super stacked. So let's talk about it. What the hell's coming out next month? A lot. So I'll start with uh, October 1st. Uh, we got two big releases. Uh, number one is Venom, Let There Be Carnage. 
follow up to 2018's Venom film. Um, that's going to be a, bit, a big one. That's in theaters only. And again, that got moved up because of the success of Shang-Chi and Sony's really hoping that people are coming out for the comic book stuff. The other big release on October 1st is The Many Saints of Newark, which is the prequel film of The Sopranos. Um, with that's going to take place in the 60s and feature a lot of the characters and younger versions of, of these characters um, in that time period. That's also coming out in theaters slash HBO Max. So that's, that's two huge releases on just uh, the first Friday in October. Yeah, and, and just really quick, you are stoked about Many Saints of Newark, right? Yeah, yeah, I'm a big Sopranos fan. I've watched it all the way through twice, which, you know, it's like 60 episodes. 60 odd episodes so it's it's quite the undertaking and i've done it. and it's uh, i mean it's one of the best shows ever ever made um if not the best show ever ever made depending on who you ask and i i'm gonna be interested to see where this goes because one film almost doesn't feel enough but uh it'll be interesting to see you know kind of what made tony soprano tony soprano but also this a lot of the the, the show of it is really about relationships between, you know, father and sons and friends and family. And it's, it's so much about these family ties and the difficulties of that. And be interesting to see what that looks like on, on kind of the younger uh, side of things. Yeah. Uh, I, meanwhile, have not watched a lot of Sopranos. I know I should, but uh, you know, I do, I, we do a movie podcast, right? I'm a movie guy. So That'll be an interesting watch because I think I'll be going in a little fresher than maybe Andy will. Uh, we'll have to get to it whenever we review it. Probably, probably, I probably soon, right? I mean, it's the first week of October. Yep. Next up uh, on October eighth, that next week, seven short days away from the first, we have two big releases. Number one, No Time to Die, the new James Bond film, and uh, as far as we know, Daniel Craig's last outing as Bond. Very exciting. That film just keeps getting pushed back. We're excited to finally see it. That'll be theaters only, and also the A twenty four film Lamb comes out on October eighth. I didn't know this was so soon, Andy. I don't know if I want to go see that film. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I do. Like I. It's going to be so disturbing. It's going to, you know, give you uh, uh, psychological nightmares. It's, it's going to remind me of Midsummer, where it's like, why did you take me to see this? Yeah, <laughs> why would the, you do uh, that to me? I can't wait. The quick byline on Lamb, if you weren't listening last week, uh, Lamb is is appears to be because the trailer's pretty cryptic. Uh, the story of two uh, of a married couple in like Scotland or Ireland, the Highlands somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, who have a farm, and uh, one day one of their sheep bear, gives birth to a half human half lamb and they decide to raise it as their own and then the trailer just gets weirder from there uh, it's an a24 film it will likely feature some kind of horror elements could be full-on horror for all i know people will die in lamb man yeah it's it's gonna lambs be to the slaughter uh, i don't dude i don't know if that one's for me what's coming out that next week um big week for horror the following week uh, october 15th halloween kills the sequel to 2018's uh halloween uh classic michael myers uh starring jamie lee curtis as old, older uh laurie strode um this is part two in what we know is a three film uh trilogy of, of michael myers so we 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 it's that's kind of annoying because you know this isn't going to completely end in this one right. but uh it's classic slasher horror so we'll um and i've i've seen that trailer so many times i'm so sick of it um so yeah, <laughs> it, well. it, it plays before, before everything yeah. and then uh the other big release is the last duel which is the the period piece uh starring jody comer adam driver ben affleck and matt damon 
which is it's kind of a me too film but set in uh in the past based on some real uh characters and it it's it looks really good it, it's brutal it's ridley scott yeah um there is you know you see scenes of this this actual duel between these two men as as well as accusations of, of sexual assault and denial and that's of course still very relevant today uh that looks super good to me i'm really excited for that um so i'm a little stoked for halloween kills uh, i'm a I'm a Halloween fan. I love all those old movies. I love the new ones a bit, um, but the more they remake it, the less I'm, you know, the more I sour on it just because I think, I think the formula is pretty simple. We don't need to keep going back to that. Well, but uh, the last Halloween film was pretty good. And this one reportedly is very bloody. That's, that's, that's what I keep seeing that, that apparently Michael Myers gets real down and dirty in this one, which could be rad. The Rob Zombie films did that. And that's a really cool angle to take with that killer. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. Last duel. I'm not that stoked about. I know it's Ridley Scott. Dude, Jodie Comer is super good in Free Guy, and I'm very excited to see her in this film. I think she'll probably crush it. And Adam Driver's great. Matt Damon's pretty good. Ben Affleck. I mean, it'll be okay. Like <laughs> Ben Affleck <laughs> exists. Ben, yeah, Ben Affleck. Um, he does it'll be look all right. He, look, I, he does look. He does look super out of place in this period piece. Like because it it, it, look, it it looks Shakespearean, and it's like you shouldn't be here. Like Ridley and yes, and Ridley Scott does period stuff really well. He really does. Um, so so everything should add up to for this to be awesome. But I think I don't know. Maybe it's it's a kind of an experimental trailer, and it just feels a little weak to me. That it feels a little thin. It feels like the whole plot's given away in the trailer. We'll see what happens. Now the next week, October twenty second. If you're going to the movies in October, my God, this has to be the week to do it. October twenty second features Dune, right? Denis Villeneuve's new film. We are very stoked to see this film. It's already dropped in some countries. I think well, Romania's got it, Norway's got it. I think Sweden has it. Places that um, yeah, it's dropped uh, internationally. Yes, uh, have have maybe handled the pandemic a little wiser uh, than our American audiences here, and and. Reviews are strong for Dune. Additionally, June 20, October 22nd sees The French Dispatch coming out, Wes Anderson's new film. It's a bit of a amalgamation of kind of short stories about a, uh, what, what, a, a, a column or a, a publication in Kansas, Kansas City yeah. Observer or something like that. Yeah, and, it's and a collection of, of the kind of short film, short stories. Yes, uh, featuring an all-star cast. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to be more of a Wes Anderson fan the older I get, so that seems strong. Between Dune and French <laughs> Dispatch, my God, what a week at the movies! Yeah, I'm kind of the opposite with uh, Wes Anderson. It's like, yeah, oh, you're gonna do the same. Th you're gonna do a symmetrical right. shot again. Oh, look, yeah, ooh, pastel colors, neat. Yeah, mm. every film Murray is... again, huh? Wow, <laughs> every Owen film Wilson is also kind, in this film. Yeah, every film yeah. kind of looks the same and yes. it all bleeds they together. All, they all feature like the same kind of like playwright cast of characters. Like he he definitely has his his players. Uh, Wes Anderson does. What about the last week? By our fifth, there's five weekends in in October. By the way, so to kick off your Halloween weekend uh, is Edgar Wright's last night in Soho, uh, the kind of time travel horror thriller uh, starring Anya Taylor joy and Thomas and McKenzie. Uh, that looks r really good. Really awesome. Second trailer uh, came out that Zach somehow av avoided seeing. I did see it in theaters by the way. <laughs> uh, so oh yeah. So good luck. But um, that, that looks really good. That's, I think that's probably one of the things I'm most excited about for this entire uh, fall falls here through the rest of the rest of the year that's going to be really good um and another smaller horror film which was actually supposed to come out um during uh 2020 called antlers which involves a young boy who's um kind of keeping and feeding this uh kind of wendigo sasquatch uh 
character in like his basement. It looks really creepy. Looks um, looks like some good horror. I don't know a lot about it, but um, that's the other big release uh, for October 29th. Lots of horror, lots of great films, and we haven't even gotten into streaming. I don't even know what's coming out on streaming as well. I'm definitely excited for Last Night in Soho. I haven't seen that second full trailer yet. I don't want to. I'm excited to go see the film. It's Edgar Wright's new picture. I, I'm, I'm down for it. I'll go see it anyway. Antlers, I'm genuinely surprised, has not come out yet. Like, I feel like I saw a trailer for that film like two years ago. I feel like Andy and I were in our first 50 episodes of Off Script when we saw a trailer <laughs> for Antlers. And that's, I'm sure that's drastically wrong, but like, I, 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 I it was Man, supposed I, to come I feel out like we like, were doing the show in person when the first time I saw a trailer for Antlers. Like, it's been that long. It's yeah. crazy. We were supposed to, or it was supposed to come out April 2020. Yeah. And uh, so we're way long past that. Um, it's a smaller film. You know, they got to try and hit hit big. They're going to try to hit, you know, hit it on uh, Halloween. So we'll we'll see how that goes. Yeah. It also, I'm pretty sure, features Carrie Russell, who is the same lead in Lamb, right? No, that's uh, Numi Rapace. Oh, you're right. That's true. Not quite. All right. Well, that's good. I, I would have thought she, she'd end up... Uh, like matt damon the year interstellar came out like just dude on a planet uh typecast was the term i was looking for it's a big month october's a big month at the movies uh i don't know how many how many okay andy how many of these theatrical features do we intend to see i mean a lot of this were okay i'll, I'll run down venom i mean you don't have a choice that has to be in theaters no time to die has to be in theaters yeah. halloween that's what the thing a lot of these are actually theatrical exclusives um both Halloween Kills and The Last Duel are theatrical exclusives. Dune is both theatrical and HBO Max, but that's definitely got to see that in theaters. French Dispatch, I don't know the release on that, but I think it'll probably be... It probably won't I think be it's theater points. only. Yeah. yeah. Last Night in Soho's theater only. So, I mean, there's only a couple of these that I'm not going to see in the, the theaters. It's it's kind of It demands it that the films do. It's true, uh, especially in the case of something like Dune. Don't don't watch Dune on HBO. Just just go see don't, it. Don't theater. watch it on your phone, please, God. Yeah, don't watch it on your phone. Like that's that's that thing is shot with IMAX cameras. Come on, like go go see it somewhere grand. But obviously, I can't speak for everything else. Um, I'm excited. October seems like a big month of movies. I don't know how we're gonna keep up, but keep it turning off script for more exciting reviews for what's coming out in October. One review to go, Andy. And here I thought this was going to be a fast episode. Shoot. Silly me. You uh, thought? Yeah, I, I, I sure did think. Uh, well, Andy's going to be taking the summary on this one. Andy, please take it away. The Card Counter. So this is the latest film by uh, writer-director Paul Schrader, who famously wrote uh, Taxi Driver and also most recently did First Reform, starring Ethan Hawke. Uh, that film was about a kind of a tormented priest uh, and about environmentalism, very tortured character. Uh, very good, good film. And so this is his latest film, The Card Counter, starring Oscar Isaac as a man named William Tell. Um, and we'll, you'll see the significance of his name if you see the film. Uh, William Tell is a gambler. He is a card counter. The, the film opens with him counting, teaching us how to count cards at a, a game of 21. It's an incredibly complicated thing uh, to do. And it's explained very quickly and you're not really supposed to get it, but he just kind of explains "Oh, this is how it's done. And uh, we learned that he learned to count cards uh, in prison. We don't really know why, what he did to get there. Um, and we see that he's, he's good at what he does, but uh, he doesn't play big. You know, he walks away. We see him walk away from his table with about $800 and he just kind of goes on his way. And he tells the audience, you know, 
casinos don't care if you count cards. They care if you win. And he said, they don't care if you win. They care if you win big and they care how you win. So if you, if you play small, you don't, you know, just win, win small, uh, you'll, you'll be fine. Um, and he doesn't just play blackjack. It's, it's, um, he plays all manner of gambling games, uh, games of chance. And he's very, very good at, good at them. Uh, very soon we run into Tiffany Haddish's character uh, named Lalinda who runs uh, what's called a stable, which in gambling terms is a uh, kind of stable of professional gamblers backed by high dollar investors. So the gamblers use other people's money to gamble with, and then they split uh, the, the winnings. Uh, this, of course, can be very lucrative, but also very bad if you don't win. Um, so we we have this uh, opportunity to be to join the stable. He's a little unsure of it, but but uh, he keeps Lalinda at uh, arms length. That uh, and she's play, played uh, fine by Tiffany Haddish, who's a little bit over in over her head because she's a comedic actress and hasn't really done a serious film uh, that I've seen before. So it's kind of a different change of pace for her. Uh, meanwhile, we also meet Ty Sheridan's character, a young man named Kirk with a C who's uh, kind of on a mission of, of revenge and, and him and Oscar Isaac ha have uh, a, a person in common in, in their past. And um, that's kind of how they meet. And I'm trying not to get too in the weeds of this, uh, yeah. but um, William Tell, Oscar Isaac uh, is basically on a mission of, of redemption. Uh, we uh, from his kind of dark and mysterious past. He sees the the young man uh, Kirk as a road to that redemption. He wants to be kind of a father figure, kind of help guide this this young man who's very angry. So he takes them on the road with him, and they're kind of touring the country, gambling, uh, and running into Lalinda at a lot of these big gambling tournaments. And we learn more about his mysterious past uh, along the way. Uh, so there's a lot going on in this film. That's that's the basic setup. Zach, what do you think? So the card counter is really unique because it's fundamentally an indie film, right? It's it's directed by a, a director with a, I mean, Paul Schrader's not nobody. He's he's definitely a big writer. Uh, he wrote he helped write Raging Bull, Taxi Driver for Martin Scorsese. Most recently, uh, he directed First Reformed, as 2017 feature uh, starring Ethan Hawke as a um, like a pastor who uh, th that film did really well. I remember that got box office acclaim that that got Oscar buzz like first reformed was I uh, didn't he get nominated for an Oscar. I'm pretty sure. I think, it was, uh, I think for writing or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like Oscar yeah. nominated film uh, that he directed and, and wrote. Uh, so so obviously he's got some some street cred. But you look at the trailer for the card counter and it seems really small. Um, it's it's shot mostly in hotels. Um, if it's shot in casinos, it looks like they, they shot in small ones. I mean, like shoestring budgets, very simple costumes, very simple lighting, usually just practical, whatever's available on site, small cast. It seems really small. And, and I thought, and I told Andy this, I think I talked about this in the show. I thought the trailer was really poorly cut too. Additionally, the poster looks really simple right like it's kind of this it's cgi oscar isaac yeah it looks like cgi oscar isaac like it doesn't even look like him yeah and it's kind of like just just strange but at the top of all this it says martin scorsese presents right and martin scorsese's not nobody i think of big directors presenting films i think of peter jackson presenting district nine i think of uh i don't know quentin tarantino presenting grindhouse right which he still had part in but either way Typically, when a big-name director presents a film, that means they've got something behind it. They're excited about it. 
And the card counter ultimately does a lot right. It's got a really fantastic performance from Oscar Isaac. It's got some really interesting avenues it pursues as far as like emotional storytelling. Um, but also I think it's really low budget. And I think Paul Schrader wasn't able to capture things, I think, in maybe the way he had intended in his head. Uh, there's some stuff that just doesn't work in this movie. So I do like it and I do want to talk about it. Andy, uh, what's the best place to get started? Well, one thing I, I want to get into is that the trailer is very deceptive. Uh, again, um, the trailer makes it look like it's like a hardcore, uh, like gambling movie or, or card shark movie, in which that, that's like kind of a genre of, of itself. Ga gamblers, card sharks. And, and the title implies, of course. Uh, yeah. You know, our yeah. You, playing you, 21 and counting cards the whole time. Yeah. You're expecting some guy who's like down and out, but he's a brilliant uh, blackjack player and he's just got one big last score and then he's got to retire. And, you know, th that's what this, this movie about is about anything besides gambling and card counting uh our main character william tell is basically funneling all his energy into being good at poker and other games of chance to kind of just keep himself focused and from kind of going off the deep end mm -hmm. um, which the backstory and all, all i'll say about that is that he's uh, ex-military and he has military background and that plays a big part of his his backstory story i don't want to get into any more than that but that's really what this is um about i and i actually um to give my opinion i i really enjoyed the, this movie i i i thought it was really tremendous really great performance from oscar isaac um but it is very different from what was advertised yeah um so let's jump into performances that's a great place to start uh, like i said oscar isaac is is great in this movie uh he 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 never soft pedals at once he leans 110% into the performance. He is super good. Like his character of William Tell is fascinating to watch. I mean, because sitting at a poker table, right, you're trying to have a poker face and not show any emotion. And he does a great job of that. But additionally, we're able to kind of see deeper than just the people around the table with him. We're able to look under the surface because we know more about him and we can see that he's a truly complex individual. Uh, at times, he's carrying conversations with characters and he's motivated by by his own reasons that we don't fully understand. We come to get to know him better later in the film. Uh, he's super good. Tiffany Haddish, I think, is a little out of her depth in this movie. Uh, this is a really good opportunity for her to move into dramatic film, I think. Um, but she just misses the mark in some of the early scenes. Uh, she doesn't quite rise to meet Isaac's level. And I think she just comes off a little out of place in some scenes where he's being really intense. And then it'll cut to her and she's like laughing off like a joke he just said. Like it's just it's just a little disconnected. But I think this is a good opportunity for her to learn and grow. Ty Sheridan as Kirk with a C. It was spelled C-I-R-K, which is the worst Got to be one of the worst ways I've ever heard to spell Kirk. You'd think it'd be K-I-R-C. But uh, anyway, he's he's okay. I didn't like him much in this movie either. He just kind of felt flat and boring. But Andy was quick to point out that's called acting, <laughs> which is true, <laughs> which is true. Like, I, I was like, he's he's dull and lame. And Andy was like, he's acting. That's what his, char his character is supposed to be, dull and lame. I thought, well, okay, that's... <laughs> It's kind of true. Andy's right. Andy, what do you think of these films? So I think Oscar Isaac is tremendous in this. Mm. I mean, he's such a tortured person. And uh, he, like I said, he's stoic for most of the film. Like he, he's, he's, you know, he's got this poker face. But it's interesting because he was like, he talks about that. And he, he's like, you can wear a hood and mirrored glasses. And 
a mask and it's not going to matter. Like I'll, I can read you by how, how you play. It's really interesting. And he doesn't do any of those things. He just, he's just kind of stoic, but he's got some really tremendous scenes. Uh, Willem Dafoe's also in, in this um, <clears throat> important scenes there. He's got a couple of monologues that are just like shape, like earth shaking or just like really riveting uh, long, long takes where he kind of gets into his past and, you know, kind of why, why he's gone to, to prison. Um, I thought Ty Sheridan was, I've always seen him in like, I, I think of him in ready player one and lo- like a lot of those like kind of teenager roles. Yeah. So it's nice to see him do something a little bit more grown up. He's kind of a lost youth. He's, he's like, yeah, I tried college. It wasn't really for, for me. You know, I don't, I'm on the with my mom. I don't talk to my mom anymore. Um, so he's kind of an aimless, uh, you know, young 20 something. And it's a very different role for him. So I thought he was fun. Fine. Like we said, uh, Tiffany Haddish is a little bit out of her depth, like acting wise, like these, these are, especially Oscar Isaac is, you know, he's in like, he might get, he might win an award for this this role. Right. Like he's super intense and into it and she's just not quite on that level yet. And that's okay. She's mostly a comedy actress. Like that's all right. She's learning. Yeah. And and that's completely, completely fine. I, I I think, you know, you got to give people chances and, and I think that there's a good step in that direction. I, I think that being said, she's probably the weakest actor in this, uh, this film, but she's still, she's still fine. Like she's there just to, to sort of be the, um, quasi love interest and uh, the facilitator of this uh, stable gambling situation. And you definitely grow on her as the film goes. It's too, too. Like the more you get in the film, the more I was like, okay, like I, I, I'm coming to understand her character and where she's coming from. Uh, and Willem Dafoe, I mean, like you said, he's, he's good, but he's not in much of this film. He's, he's yeah, mostly relegated to the background, except for when he's needed. He's not any kind of like main core cast or anything. So those are kind of our big players uh andy what'd you think of the card counting right obviously there's going to be some cards and casinos and gambling and slot machines that's a big part of this film i i liked all that because it was it was almost like a documentary style where he explains a lot of the games like you know he, he at the very beginning of the films he he explains how to count uh cards in 21 which is incredibly complex uh it's just how it has to do with stats but then uh, we eventually get to poker texas hold'em and he explains that uh to you know he assumes you, you don't know and and the explanation of these things is very clear but also explanation of of how the gambling works how kind of the 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 system is the other how you play against the other players and you know just the the different styles like it's definitely true to all that but it's not the uh like i said it looked like the kind of thing where he's like yeah just one more big score and i'm out and i settle all my debts and right off the sunset and then you know it's all gonna go wrong and it's not that kind of movie at all no it really isn't i mean it's not even a movie primarily about counting cards um it's it's a subversive kind of film that way Uh, it goes runs in a different direction and and for most of the film i I think where i where i thought it was kind of headed i I was just i was a little bored isaac again oscar isaac is great in this movie every scene he is in you are looking at him like he is he is awesome in this film he probably should win some awards for this film i hope he does um a lot of the film I i felt felt flat um just just kind of basic reasoning for this uh most of it's like i said shot on location it looked like they were shooting out of like hotel rooms not like nice hotel ballrooms either because oscar isaac's character william tell is a is a traveling card shark who who lives a very spartan lifestyle like he is he is not going to luxurious places he's staying at the motel six and that's where they shot the film like it's it's very basic stuff that way it doesn't have to be bad but i think that combined with a lot of like 
just simple lighting and simple lens choice uh, makes a lot of this film, which is mostly conversations and mostly talking heads, feel a little flat. But there are really unique moments that really stand out, like really fantastic set pieces. It's a great scene when uh, Oscar, about halfway through the film, when Oscar Isaac's sitting down and he's talking to Ty Sheridan's character, Kirk. Uh, and they're just sitting. They're just sitting at like a hotel table over like morning breakfast, talking. And then out of nowhere, I, Isaac kind of spins into this like thoughtful, poignant uh, 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 speech on his life. And the camera pulls way out and does this like three minute long take truck in and gets so close to his face that his ears are out of focus. And it's awesome, dude. It's such a great monologue and it's delivered so well. And then they go right back to like flat lenses and normal, normal talking head movie for 20 minutes. And it comes out of nowhere. And this movie is chock full of these moments. This honestly, about, about a half hour into this film out of nowhere, this movie cuts to a, 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 a lens choice in, in a flashback scene that is so outrageous. It's probably the most radical lens I've ever seen projected onto a film screen. It was so, and it's, it's one of the coolest things I've probably seen in a decade in a theater. In the yep. card counter. It was so dope. I was so impressed at how bold and unique and visionary this one flashback scene is. And then we go right back to normal film. It's, it's, it's like an acid trip. It's a fever dream. And it's the coolest, it's the coolest stuff. But that's not the whole film. That's just little bits and pieces of it. And those bits and pieces are brilliant. They really are. Yeah, I, I was going to, I really wanted to talk about that, but I, I don't want to yeah. talk about it too much no. because it, it has to do with, <laughs> with uh, like the back, the back, the mysterious backstory. Mm -hmm. But yeah, th there are some, uh, a lot of the background stuff is is kind of, is, is it's actually very disturbing. Um, and that's reflected in, like Zach said, the, the use of, of camera lens, lens, of lens choice um, yeah. because we get a really distorted, uh visual um which hel helps with kind of uh the distortions of, of the past it's it's a way that the visuals re reflect kind of what the the story is about yeah it really does i i guess when it comes to the card counter i don't know what i expected i didn't i didn't expect something large and grand if anything a andy knows like i saw that trailer and was like that movie's gonna be a bomb that trailer is <laughs> terrible and it's better than i thought it really is um but it's also not it's not any kind of, you know, it's not supposed to be any kind of blockbuster. It's not, it's probably not going to blow your socks off. And I think if you're, if you're passionate for indie film and solid performances and are willing to go see something, that has got Martin Scorsese's name on it, even if it's only presenting capacity, I think you'll like this movie. I really do. Like, I, I don't, I don't see it as a disappointment, um, but it's small and it's intimate. And like, that's, that's an important note. I think like you, you're not going to walk into this and see something that's going to you know, well, I didn't think it'd blow my mind, but there are certain scenes that actually did. So I don't, I don't know what I'm saying. Andy, help, help bail me out of this. Well, well I, I think what's important to remember is that Paul Schrader is, he does not shy away from uh, difficult topics or controversial topics. First Reformed is very much about um, environmentalism. And uh, th there's a character in there who's kind of an environmental terrorist. Um, but that film's about that and climate change and taking very serious, you know, and th things like it's my, what what kind of environment is my daughter going to grow up in, in in 30 40 40 years when the earth is on fire kind of he's you know really tackling these difficult subjects and he does that again in in this film uh as well it's some really heavy subject matter which i didn't really expect going in because again the trailer makes it look like a uh, down and out uh, card playing gambling movie you know it's like maverick or, or something is just what one last one more game just one more hit and i'll uh 
I'll be yeah. free and I'll be, you know, fine and fall in love with this woman and wh- have all these winnings and ride off into the sunset. And it's uh, got to deal with the mob a little bit. It looks like that kind of movie. Right. And it's any anything. But it's, it was funny because I was reading through the uh, the Reddit comments and so many of it was people going like, this is not about cars. This is not about no. <laughs> gambling at all. And people were like, really, what's it about? Then? Uh, and I, I was like, yeah, like the, the trailer is just misleading. But it, it's it is about a very difficult uh, subject matter and it, it does not shy away from it. And that's what it's primarily about, which we're not going to spoil on the show. Any other thoughts for recommendations, Andy? Uh, I'm ready. Andy, would you recommend the card counter? I absolutely would. I, I think it's it's a small, you said it's a small, intimate film. Uh, very, it's like just got the bones, but it's very powerful, very good uh, performances. Um, and like I said, taking on a very difficult uh, subject matter that um, doesn't seem to be going away because it's dealing with things uh, from kind that are kind of old news now but uh still very relevant um very powerful movie in my opinion great performances i think oscar isaac uh should be get nominated if not win, win an oscar we'll see what else comes out this year but uh he he's taught notch and i really recommend this yeah um i i'm in a unique position uh this is a film that i personally did not really fall in love with but i'd still recommend it honestly um i think there's a lot of people out there that are gonna like this movie who have never seen it and don't know what they're getting into um you know, I think of like mid-budget talking head kind of movies that feature some kind of like interesting male protagonist of the past. I think of movies like The American starring George Clooney or, or I don't know, that's that's more action-based. I was going to say like Paycheck starring Ben Affleck, like films that like are not blockbuster budgets, but like there's something going on, right? We have, we have a mysterious male lead. They have a certain set of skills. They're in some kind of situation that they're going to, you know, maybe it, some crime it, involved. And this movie like is better than those. It really is. Like I like it more, but I think production wise, it's not as good. It's just good writing and, and really select direction that made it powerful. I think if Schrader had a more powerful, like a, a better, a better resume directing wise, this would have been a better film. Um, but it's good stuff. And I, I'd recommend it. I like the card counter. I really did. Yeah. It, I was going to say, it feels a lot like a play almost because it, yes. it has such a small cast and they're just sort of changing the lo- locations. It feels very theatrical stage theatrical. Yeah. It, it, it's in time at times. I was like, it feels like they shot this over a couple weekends, like between when Oscar Isaac was between shoots or something like, Oh, Hey, meet us at this hotel. We're going to shoot like scenes four, six and 12, you know, and then we're going to shoot, okay, these scenes over here. And then they just put it all together in editing and it works. But um one thing though i should say hard r right this is this is certainly an r rated film yeah i, I was gonna say i don't want to we haven't i don't yeah. want to spoil this with, no. with the content warning but it is a, a bit of a yeah a bit of a gen- general content warning yeah i mean it is, is uh some pretty difficult subject matter uh mm-hmm. i heard there were actually i've heard there's actually been a lot of walkouts of this movie um i think part of that because it's not the it's not like uh a gambling action movie that like it kind of looks like but I think also yeah. because it's uh, taken on a very difficult subject matter. Yeah. And and I would say, yeah, one, because of the difficult subject matter and two, because I think people might run into the problem I had, which is like this movie just kind of looks cheap. And it, it I think at first shine, it kind of does, but like stick with it. You, you will actually be surprised where it goes. And that's our show. Uh, man, what a week. Andy, again, apologies for the big delay. My God, I didn't mean for it to take this long for us to get a new episode together, but we are coming back. Not next Tuesday, but the Tuesday after. 12 days from now, we'll be back for off script. Taking next week off to uh, finish figuring out the things I've been figuring out. Andy, what are we watching? 
Well, I just wanted to say that September has been a little bit light. Uh, you know, we said Cry Macho was the kind of big release this week. The uh, Clint Eastwood Neo Western, which is available on in theaters and on HBO. Um, and the big release this week is Dear Evan Hansen, which I haven't heard real great things about. We're going to be skipping that. And we will be back on uh, October 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, or 6. So um, with Venom, Let There Be Carnage, which is out October 1st, and also The Many Saints of Newark also on October 1st on HBO max slash theater. So that that's uh, going to be a big, uh, how we're going to kick off October spooktober. I, uh, I didn't make a banner for this. So I'm just going to throw up boom, returning October 1st with Venom two in the Sopranos movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm excited. I, I, I'm going to be honest. I'm not so excited about those two films in particular. I, I not, the big Sopranos fan, So I'm not super up on many Saints of Newark though. It does star Alessandro Nivolo in a starring role and he's good stuff uh and also venom 2 maybe woody harrelson will be good in it i don't know <laughs> i you know <laughs> i venom, didn't like venom one man like no um, some so yeah. the first venom was incredibly successful uh it made almost a billion dollars it uh, sure so it, was so it definitely found an audience uh, it wasn't very good i hope this one is better it's all this is also very short which isn't a really good sign like for it's not it's a flat 90 minutes um so it's yeah so it's really pretty uh short which doesn't really bode well but also if it's bad at least it's not very long um so i I think it'll be fine i think it'll be entertaining i i i sure hope so Uh, if you enjoyed the show today if you maybe thought this was entertaining uh let us know in the comments below you can comment on facebook where we live stream the show usually every tuesday barring you know personal crises like last week uh we are available on itunes and spotify the usual places you get your podcasts we're on twitter we're on instagram and we're on youtube where we upload our live streams as well and you can comment you can like and subscribe you can follow us on any of those channels but if you really want to help the show if you really want to do a solid for your for your for your off script guys uh just subscribe just subscribe to the show to get new episodes delivered straight to your phone every Tuesday when we do them, usually every single week. And certainly through October, there's going to be a lot of stuff coming out. So if you want to know what's worth you watching, what's worth your time, keep it here on Offscript for more. From all of us at Offscript, the home of Bold Cinema, I'm Zach Lewis. And I'm Dr. Draper. Thanks for watching. <laughs>